Are you ready for retirement? Do you feel comfortable about your years of retirement? Many women don't feel ready or have some questions that need to be answered. Welcome to Women Seeking Blissful Retirement with Maria Lucasen. We've got some amazing guests and terrific ideas to make sure you are preparing and enjoying retirement. Now, here's your host, Maria Lucasen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to today's show of Women Seeking Blissful Retirement at the Empowerment Channel of Voice America. It's the largest radio platform in the world of talk radio shows. Welcome to all the listeners here in the United States, in Canada, but maybe also in Europe or Australia. Anywhere you are and listening to this show live or as a recording, that you are making time for you to find topic of retirement. It's my great pleasure to present this series of shows and bring subjects that will help you in planning and preparing for the next chapter in life. My name is Maria Lukasen and I am excited. This is the talk show for unique women who dream to retire soon, blissfully. If this is what you are dreaming about, you are at the right place. You can still be working a job, but if you are contemplating early retirement now because of the situation with COVID-19, you need to be here listening. In this show, we feature guest experts on many topics, and today I'm welcoming our guest, Sarah Zef Geber. Hello, Sarah. How are you doing? Hello, Maria. I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm, I'm glad that you are on today. I know it's really early for you because <laughs> you are at the other side in California where it's only six o'clock. So I appreciate that very much that you got out of bed early this morning to talk with us about a topic that I am fascinated with because it, it will um, be something that many, many women and men in their retirement might experience. So we're going to be here kind of trailblazing this subject. So let me do first a little bit uh, the, your bio so people have an idea of who you are and, and what you are doing. So Dr. Sarah Zef Geber, she is a recipient of the Influencers in Aging Destination by BBS Next Avenue in 2018. She is an author, a retirement coach, and professional speaker on retirement and aging. She has developed a niche specialty working with solar agers, people who have no children or who are aging alone. Dr. Geber is the author of the 2018 book, Essential Retirement Planning for Solar Agers, a retirement and aging roadmap for single and childless adults which was recently selected as the best book on aging well by the Wall Street Journal. With her speaking and writing, Sarah has been raising awareness of solar agers for the past 10 years. She believes solar agers have unique needs in later life that warrant greater foresight and a more robust approach for planning. Sarah is a regular contributor to Forbes.com on the topics of aging and retirement. 
She was recently invited to join the advisory team for Nexus Insights. It's a think tank on consulting firm that started in 2020 by Bob Kramer, the founder of NIC. So she is a sought-after speaker at conferences on retirement and aging, and she is very active in many, many, many associations. I'm not going to listen them all here. So Sarah is married. She considers herself a solar ager because she has no children. She lives with her husband and Pooch in Santa Rosa, California. So. That is a whole mouthful of uh, information about you. And the biggest um, thought that comes up for me is that you have been researching this topic about solo aging. So can you explain to our listeners what is solo aging? Can you define that for us? Sure, I'd be happy to. Originally, I conceived of solo aging as being only people who didn't have children. Because as I looked around me, I saw so many people in their 50s and 60s taking care of their much older parents. And I thought, gosh, who's going to do that for those of us who don't have children? And when I started to study the extent of that, it became a, a real uh, serious question. So uh, I started writing about it and talking about solo aging among my friends and, and on the platform when I'd be doing talking about, um, about retirement planning. And um, people came up to me afterwards and said, well, people who don't have children aren't the only solo agers. Those of us who are living alone are solo agers. Those of us who have kids that are very far away or that are estranged from us, we're solo agers. So I, I certainly expanded the definition of solo ager to mean anyone who doesn't have children or who is aging alone for other reasons or believe they will be aging alone. Yes, because you often don't think about that, that if you are living, uh, especially here in the United States, you can live at one side, like my, me here in Florida, and your kids can be up in Washington uh, State, which is really across from here. And then you still be all by yourself uh, because they are not close enough to take care of you, really. Yeah, at that that's time. right. Yeah. Or, they, <clears throat> or these days, they may be living in another country. That is a possibility too. The world has gotten a lot smaller in the last 30, 40 years compared to our parents who really, really, most of them just stayed home in their home country. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so what did really catch your attention? And, and why do you think we need to address this topic and, and keep talking about it? Well, because of a couple of things, First of all, because of the prevalence of it, when I started digging into the um, statistics on just how many people were childless, I discovered that child, and I, I sometimes like to call it being child-free rather than childless, um, because many of us are child-free by, um, by choice. Yeah. Uh, the, the reason is that there are so many of us. For the baby boom population, almost one in five 
women did not have children. 19.4% of the women in the baby boom population did not have children. Right. That's a lot. Yes. And that is, um, uh, that is based on the census from some research done by one of the most respected research organizations in the country, Pew. Yeah. And uh, so I trust that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's pretty startling. Um, it's a pretty startling result. And when you add that in with the people who are aging um, solo for other reasons, as I mentioned before, kids who are just not reliable, kids who are not fully functional, kids who are estranged, kids who live 9,000 miles away. And yeah. all of the single people today, and that grows every year, we see more and more people living single. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that includes older adults. And in fact, it primarily includes older adults. Most of the solo agers seem to be women in the baby boom population. Yeah. Um, because, of course, baby boomers uh, are getting into that age where uh, we are losing some of the men. Uh, men do tend to still, even in this day and age, predecease women. Yeah. So just during the COVID alone, I have known three women who have become widows. Wow. So yeah, a scary time to uh, have to embark on that, but their yes. husbands passed on, and right. here they are. So. Yeah, yeah, that is the thing. You you don't know uh, what time it will be happening, even if you are in or in a relationship, you still can be a survivor at at so in your life and be the person that then is a, a solo and can have the same chats and experiences as any of the women or men for that case that have been living alone all mm-hmm. their life either by choice or by circumstances it is it is going to be a challenge for a lot of people so um this topic, I hope we can open up some eyes and ears by talking about it and, and, and help them see why they need to think about it now. So when you um, think about how do children help their adult parents when it comes to retirement, what do you think are the differences of having children who can take care of you or having not? What are a couple of things that you say, okay, uh, if you have, this is good for you. Uh, they will take care of you in, in a certain way. Well, of course, there's a big spectrum. Yeah. Um, there are plenty of children, adult children out there who have no interest in taking care of their parents, sad yeah. as that sounds. Um, but for most people in most cultures, kids, even when, even when you don't expect them to, kids will rush in in an emergency and make the best choices they can mm-hmm. and do, do the right thing by their parents. Some won't. Obviously, there are instances that we've all heard of, of adult children taking advantage of aging parents, and um, it's a form of elder abuse. But 
primarily what kids do, adult children do for their aging parents is they manage the things that their that their parents can no longer take care of on their own. And that happens to most people as they get into their 80s and 90s, they become a little less able to um, shovel that walkway when it snows or um, or even driving at night becomes a challenge. It's during the 80s that most people end up giving up their driver's license. Some yes. people drive safely into their 90s. Some people drive not so safely into their 90s. Yeah, yeah. But children generally, especially if they live locally, often fill in with some of those, um, some of those tasks. Um, I have two friends in their 90s, and uh, their children, my contemporaries, do a tremendous number of things for them. Even the one, I have a 97-year-old cousin, and her kids, um, who are older than me, actually, her kids see her. Now, she is in an assisted living community, but yeah. her kids still come to see her two or three times a week. Well, now it's difficult. They have to see her in a socially distanced way. Yeah, that's a whole other that's a whole other topic. Yeah. Um, but they they bring her um, little goodies to eat. They bring her uh, to doctor's appointments. They uh, set her set up her room with things like a phone that has um, extended hearing capabilities because her hearing yeah. is not good anymore. Yeah. Um, they, all kinds of little things that even the assisted living facility doesn't really do for her. So they're still taking care of her, even though she doesn't live with them. Right. Um, I have another example where a 96 year old is still living in his three story home um, over in the, the hills on the other side of the San Francisco Bay. Wow. And uh, he has a companion who lives with him Um who does the, the heavy lifting, so to speak, but he still goes up and down the stairs every, uh, every evening to go to bed and comes down in the morning. Um, and he's, he is in much better shape physically than my 96 year old cousin, but he has had to give up driving. Um, yeah. He's had to give up a lot of the cooking that he so enjoyed. Yeah. Um, and it, it, just because he can't stand at the stove for that length of time. Right. So little things start to go, even though both of them have um, all of their mental faculties intact. Um, they can remember short-term and long-term, um, probably yeah. just as well as you or me. Yeah. But little things just become difficult. So his kids often bring over meals. Um, they take him places. Um, and they they give his companion a uh, a respite. So yeah. so many many of us are going to live that long. Medical science is keeping us alive, and um, many of us can expect to live into our hundreds. Yes. So we we really need to be prepared. Yeah. And that's true whether you have kids or not. But it becomes so much more. Um, immediate in nature and, and so much more critical that we really do the robust planning and look into the future to see what could be an issue, what could be a question, what we can do ahead of time to shore up our resources before that happens. 
Right. Yes. So, and and that's why I want to talk with you because uh, as a single person or a solo ager, there are challenges that we have. So, um, what can you give us, say, two or three challenges that you see that solo agers will face and uh, what they can do about them to start planning about these things now instead of waiting and then take action? Sure. Well, the, the, um, there's, it's sort of like a three-legged stool. In my, in my, from my perspective, solo aging needs financial planning. It needs legal planning. And probably the most important leg of the stool, it, it needs social planning. So let me start with the two, what I consider easy ones. Um, all solo agers should get themselves to a financial planner. Uh, financial planners are not hugely expensive. They, um, most of them these days charge by the hour. They'll review what you have in your, uh, in your retirement savings. They'll take a look at your lifestyle and help you sort out whether you can continue along this lifestyle, um, given your age and health, <clears throat> or whether you need to scale back, whether you need to think about a maybe a less expensive lifestyle. Um, so getting your finances in order is very important. Yeah. The second part of that is legal. And the reason having an estate plan is so important is for two reasons. You're going to need to appoint someone to make decisions for you if you are not able to do that. And those decisions come in two different categories medical decisions, and financial decisions. So you're going to want to find someone in your life, maybe a nephew or a niece, um, a, um, a much younger friend, someone who is willing and able, or you believe they will be in 10 or 20 years to step in for you. Mm-hmm. And some needs to be somebody you trust and somebody you like and someone that you can keep in your life. Um, and that you maybe have kept in your life for a while. Yeah. Uh, Because we don't know. We don't know when we're going to be incapacitated to the point where we'll need someone to be an advocate for us in a hospital setting. It's a, um, you know, hospitals will do what they do. They have a protocol unless someone stays, steps in and says, here is what's called an advanced directive. Here is somebody step in for me. Here is Sarah's advanced directive. And she doesn't, um, she doesn't want those extraordinary measures right. her alive. Um, she wants to go to a particular skilled nursing for, for her rehab. Um, and she's, she's chosen these things. She wants to go to a particular assisted living community if, the time, if at that time she needs to be somewhere where she's protected um, yeah. 24-7. So these things happen. And um, what, I, what I see, in, especially in baby boomers, is um, unfortunately a real head in the sand, an unwillingness to talk about these things, to think about these things. And it's kind of part of my mission in life to drag baby boomers out of their denial and um, have them see that, that there are other stages of life and they're coming. Yes. And they need to be planned for. 
Exactly, exactly. So I want to um, make a break here and we will talk about that once we come back because I think that is very important. So I thank the listening so far. I hope you will stay with us. In a few minutes, we will be back from our break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. Life-changing events can have positive and or negative repercussions. When they happen, they can feel elating or devastating to those affected. It can also get in the way of your personal and professional life. On Life-Altering Events with host Frank Zakari, we examine the scope of these events and discuss how to move forward in the wake of the opportunities presented. It's never too late to get started or pick up the pieces and move forward. Listen Tuesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you discovered your brain power? Just ask yourself, what's my number? And use the amazing power of emotional brain training, EBT. Enhance your vibrancy, happiness, relationships, productivity, sense of purpose, and health. Listen for Brain Power with Dr. Laurel Mellon. Experience the power of EBT every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Your mind, body, and life will thank you. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration that opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time, with award-winning authors Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the Empowerment Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, 
business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You are listening to Women Seeking Blissful Retirement. To reach Maria Lucasen, her guest, or the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, please send to maria at marialucasenhq.com. Now, back to Women Seeking Blissful Retirement. Hello again, everyone, and thank you for waiting through the break with us. We are continuing with our guest for today, Sarah Zev-Gaber, and we are talking about aging solo. So we were talking about financial and legal standpoints, and I wonder if people or women that are aging uh, alone without children should plan differently than, say, how the parents have done. What are some things that I can do? Well, I think that it's better to think of it as planning a little more, little earlier and a, maybe a little more robustly because it's it okay. tends to be more challenging for solo agers to do this kind of planning and come up with someone who could actually be their healthcare proxy um, and have their uh, the responsibility of making those medical decisions um, if you cannot. Um, and also to find someone to have your power of attorney for financial matters, someone who would step in if you were incapacitated for some period of time and, and pay your bills and arrange for um, all of the kinds of things that go on in your life to continue going on, to pay your mortgage or your rent and make sure that um, it, while you spend time in a hospital, um, those things don't go by the wayside. So um, yes. th- those, are, those are just two of the three-legged stool. And the one that I like to talk about even that I believe is really even more important is our social well-being. And for solo leaders, especially after they leave their place of work, I mean, our place of work gives us kind of a ready-made social circle. A lot of people hang out day in and day out with the people that they work with. Um, That extends often to the weekends. Uh, The line seems to blur these days between weekends and weekdays, especially during our, our COVID shutdown. But yeah. even, even under more normal circumstances, when you leave a job, it often requires you to really reconfigure your social network. 
Um, those are kind of, that's kind of a fancy way of saying you might need new friends. And right. where, do, where do those friends come from? How do you build or rebuild your social network? And it, that's it, completely challenging to some people. It's just a daunting task. And for other people, it comes naturally. So you know right. who you are in terms of whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or someone who gravitates yeah. quickly to groups as a joiner. Um, but it's important to put yourself out there <clears throat> and find people with common interests, people who think the way you do, who like the things you do, and uh, form some new friendship circles. The, um, yes, I used that's... to take my, uh, <laughs> I used to use a, an expression of the English who say that when it's terms of the, uh, the monarchy and the, uh, the line of ascension and the monarchy, they used to say they always needed an heir and a spare. So okay. I <laughs> adopted that, that uh, idea for solo agers, and really for anyone, you need not just one special friend, or not even just two or three special friends. It's, it's healthier to have a group of five, seven, even 10 people that you do things with, not all at the same time, but people you can call and say, let's go to a movie, or let's watch something on, on TV, or let's have a Zoom call. Um, people that you enjoy being with, people that you enjoy sharing a meal with, that you enjoy just spending time with, people who have some interest in common with you, that, that you can begin to really deepen your relationship. Um, you know, there's, for most people, there are no perfect friends out there. Some friends are going to be closer to you and at one time and some at another time. And it's hard to know how people will react in an emergency. So uh, again, surrounding yourself with a healthy circle of, of friends that you get together with on a regular basis is very, very important, especially for solo agers. Now, in some cases, solo agers have made their friends um, or have given their friends their healthcare proxy um, and their uh, given them the, a power of attorney to handle things for them. That's better than nothing. Um, yes. But please, if you do that, choose friends that are at least 10, if not 15 or 20 years younger than you. And it's a good time in life now to cultivate some younger friends. I know uh, personally, I have done that through a couple of book clubs that I belong to. Both book, book clubs I've been in for several years, and um, though I wasn't sure that I was going to like all of the people in this book club when I first started, uh, when I was new yeah. to Santa Rosa about five years ago, I joined the first one, yeah. and I thought, gosh, a lot of these women are 20 years younger than me. I wonder what we'll have in common. I wonder what we'll talk about. And over the years, I have really grown to like and even love them. And, of course, some of them I gravitate to more than others. Um, but these women are, are actually candidates. If I needed to talk to someone about um, being a healthcare proxy for me um, or having my power of attorney for finances, I could begin that conversation. And that's the 
the uh, that's where you want to get to with friends is you need to be able to have those conversations because the last thing that you want to do is a, appoint someone just name someone on your um on your estate documents as having your power of attorney for for healthcare decisions and they don't even know about it so the people yeah. that do it, they need to know about it you need to have the big conversation with them and make sure that they're okay with it some people won't be and that's all right. That's yeah. more, it's way more about them than it is about you. So move on, yeah. choose somebody else and let them know what's involved. You're, you'll be doing them a favor. Actually, you'll be educating them in an area that they may not have looked at yet. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I see that. I see that totally. That that, that is the case for certain uh, certain people. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad you're mentioning it here because it's not just thinking about the things and making a power of attorney. But yeah, definitely you need to have the conversation with the person that you are entrusting uh, with taking care of that part uh, when the time comes. And um, it's nice if you indeed have still a nephew or a niece in, the, in your family that you can ask for it. But there will be many of us who might not have and nephews or nieces, and especially if you're maybe 10, 15 years younger as what, what I am, those families often only had one child. So if you are a one-child family, uh, the chances are that uh, your um, extended family is a lot smaller as me who has um, five siblings, you know. So I have quite a few nephews and nieces where I could choose from or ask if I wanted to. And, yeah, lots of friends, lots of friends. That's one of the things that I talk about too when I do coach people uh, about uh, planning for retirement it's it's important to have a wide circle and do many different things with with different people. So, yes. if, if besides the the social arena, uh, what can you say about living arrangements? Uh, because that's another big aspect where uh, I often talk about with uh, interested. Uh, um, clients uh, that uh, are thinking about retirement. What about living? What do you think yeah, about that for solo that's another, ages? That's another aspect of this that's um, very, very important, very near and dear to my heart. Um, I think that the uh, this whole aging in place thing that AARP is promoting and um, that they have done some studies that say that, oh, 80, 80-something percent of baby boomers plan to age in their own homes. Well, I'm not a big fan of that, especially for solo agers. And especially if what your own home means to you is some single family home, probably two story, maybe even three story in a suburb somewhere far from transportation you depend on your car for everything. You go in and out of your garage and you might not even know your neighbors. That is a recipe for loneliness and isolation as you get older. So I encourage solo agers especially to think very long and hard about where they are aging. Um, I believe that a lot of people answered that question on the AARP survey 
thinking that there were only two options. Either I age at home or I go into one of those quote unquote terrible places with just old people. And there are so, so many options in there that, that really they aren't considering. Um, you may love and adore your home. You may have been there for 40 or 50 years even. But yeah, so encourage you to take a real hard, critical look at your home and say, is this a place that I could really be in happily when I'm 90? Um, is, is it set up for someone of my age to be comfortable here and to be safe? That's one issue. The other is, how well do I know my neighbors? Am I close enough mm -hmm. to them that, that, I mean, even physically close enough to them that if I were to let out a holler, they would hear me? Um, yeah. Often the answer to those things in, in these cul-de-sacs of which millions and millions of people live in these suburban areas, the answer is no. And I'm talking to people who live out in the country as well. There yeah. are lots of options already today and more coming down the line all the time because builders know that there are 15, uh, well, no, <laughs> that there are 60 something million baby boomers moving into an older age. Yeah. So there are lots of ways that you can build a community around you. But most of those will probably require you to give up that isolated house in the suburbs. Mm -hmm. Now, not, that's not always the case because maybe you open up your house and share it with a few others. Um, I'm right. a big fan of home sharing. I think it's starting to catch on. There are companies around the country that actually do matchmaking. Um, some oh. people don't need that. They have a friend that they think, you know, we've been friends for this long and we're both widows. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. both divorced or yeah. somehow both single, why don't we try and make a home together so that you right. be, as my friend Anna, Anna Marie Pluhar, the home sharing queen, <laughs> who's been pounding that gavel and, and um, talking up home sharing for many years now, she likes to, she likes to call it homemates rather than housemates. Um, right. So that, that, of course, is an option. You you may want to find someone to live with. You may want to open your home to others. Another option yeah. that I've become very fond of, very enamored with when I see what goes on in, in some of these parks is mobile home parks. Ah. And I have, I've become a fan of them for two reasons. One, it's a very affordable option for people who don't have a lot in savings. If you own a home, or even if you rent a home, you can probably own or rent a mobile home. And of course, not all areas of the country are conducive to big mobile home parks. They're mostly scattered throughout the South and especially the Southwest. But what I see in these mobile home parks are people who are in very much in community. They know their neighbors. They do things with their neighbors. Their neighbors help them out when they're in a pinch. I see neighbors driving other neighbors to the store when they've, um, when they've had foot surgery or walking their dogs for them. Um, I see them having 
potlucks and movie nights and all just all manner of of collective sorts of things. I, one mobile home park I'm familiar with <clears throat> has have a lot of people who do crafts. And so they open it up to the public for a craft show and sale every year. And as you can imagine, the, the, uh, the planning of that and the organizing takes a lot of time and energy and love. These people are totally devoted to what, um, to their life in these parks. And I, I kind of stumbled upon them in an interesting way. I was doing a lot of speaking, especially after my book came out. I was doing a lot of speaking, sp- specifically yeah. about solo aging, um, live yeah. talks at senior centers and libraries and uh, YMCA's, all kinds of places. And inevitably, I would have people in there that when I got to the part about building a community, they would say, well, I live in a mobile home park and we have a wonderful community. And so I started yeah. exploring them myself just to take a look and see what, what I would find. And indeed, I did find wonderful, cohesive communities in those parks. That's yeah. just one example. Some, some folks move into a mobile home park to have less to take care of and maintain as they get right. older. Mm-hmm. Some people actually raise their kids there and have been there for 30 or 40 years and have no intention of leaving. So, again, that's one option. There are lots of other options for building a community around you. Um, There's a a concept called co-housing, which is gaining in popularity here in the U.S. There are several hundred of them around the U.S. If you're curious about co-housing... It's, it's not exactly like the communes of our youth. In co-housing, yeah. everyone has their own individual home with everything that that involves, a full kitchen and um, yeah. bedrooms and a living room and all of that. But they also have a large common area that they right. socialize. And the idea of living together in close proximity like that is they build they really build a true community. They build almost more like a family. Yeah. So that's an option that may be appealing to some. I, I, I could go on and on. You, of course, most people listening, I think, are quite familiar with the options, the traditional options for senior living. Right. Yeah. And, so, yes. of course, those are all available as well. Yeah, yeah, I like that you, you uh, talk about this alternative ways of living with the, the mobile home park. And yes, there's a lot of communities that they are creating, newer ones where uh, you can move in that are smaller, where you still have your own private space, but where mm-hmm. there is also an area where you can meet uh, the other uh, people that are living in that community, and it only can uh, there need to be six or ten houses, but that makes already a small group of people that can look out for each other in in many things that can pick up some groceries if if there is a day that you don't feel like uh, going out because you're not feeling well. So, and, and that is really the way that I think that uh, uh, many people will go because it. it keeps your independence in one way and on the other hand you have people where you can talk to and people where you can ask for help if that is 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 necessary so that's what i I like from 
from those communities. They are smaller. They're not like the big villages. But everybody is different. So everybody has different ideas of how they want to live when they retire and what they uh, yeah, think that are the things that I will appreciate because uh, there are advantages of the bigger villages too, of course, with all the entertainment and uh, other uh, features and um, facilities that they have that are nice if you are retiring and you are still in, in, uh, um, in good shape. You can do a lot of things, but yeah, as soon as the, um, it is happening that you are losing either uh, your health or some of your mental capacity, then those bigger villages might be a little bit more um, in isolation as, as the, the ones, the smaller ones that we were talking about. So yeah, uh, solo ages are a lot more vulnerable to isolation and loneliness. So what can they do to guard against it, except for, like we talked already, uh, looking for a specific community where they can live. Is there something else you would suggest they can do? It, it's really twofold. You need to build your community from what you have um, and or you may need to move to a place where building community is easier to do. Um, and I mentioned mobile home parks, but of course there are, are condominiums, um, even condos that are multi-generational have you living in much closer proximity to others and you see each other much more of the time. Um, any, any kind of living environment where you are closer to people, where you are, you cross paths more naturally, maybe to get to the garage where your cars are or to uh, do, do the laundry in a communal area. Um, some um, apartment Apartments, for instance, don't have, aren't big enough to have washers and dryers within, and everybody goes to a common area to do their wash. Right. It's amazing how just situations like that can uh, bring you closer to people you didn't know before and maybe build new friendships. Exactly, um, I yes. Am, it depends on how you feel about whether you want to live among people your age or whether you'd la rather live in a multi-generational community. That's a big, that's a big question. So yes. there, um, there are lots of 50, what they call them 55 plus communities that you can move into right. that have some organized, they usually have some organized activities. There'll be something that can bring people together. They're organized around a golf course or tennis courts or something that people have a mutual interest in. Uh, those communities, again, you'll find more of them around the south, southwest, and also um, southeast coast, where it's milder temperature most of the year. Yeah. Uh, but, but more and more, you can find them up north as well, because, again, the population is aging, and builders are not blind to that. <laughs> there are, uh, there's a new, kind of a new piece of the of the um, aging for older adults spectrum uh, coming along yeah. called, something called active adult. And it's a little bit of a step beyond the 55 plus the 55 plus anyone who's over 55 can buy in and live there 
um, no particular other commitments. Um, nobody, nobody is there organizing activities for you generally. But in these active adult communities, it can be similar. Um, they are either arranged uh, in cottages or more often they are high rise. Well, yeah. not they're stacked. I shouldn't say high rise. They're not 20 stories. They're three or four stories. They're, they're like condominiums or apartments. And yeah. uh, you don't have services uh, involved, like there are, there are no services for care. Um, but they are, they do have a, um, and a kind of um, activity program. So it gets others involved in some of the similar kinds of things that you're interested in, uh, in an organized way. So if that appeals to you and you prefer to live around people that are more or less your age, uh, with the exception yeah. of <clears throat> probably grandkids coming on weekends and that kind of thing, then that might be uh, a, uh, an option for you. So there really are a lot of options around for building community. Right. Yes. Yes. I think that's definitely something that uh, I want to have the listener think of um, to start thinking about it really now because uh, it makes a difference where you are growing older. And like you mentioned already, it's also important to look of what kind of uh, people you want yourself to surround with, people in your own age group or that you like to have a younger generation uh, more access, more uh, able to talk to and interaction with. That is a big difference in how you want to grow uh, older and how you want to retire. So if uh, we're getting uh, closer to the end of our uh, conversation today, and I would like you to give our audience some tips, what they could do, say, in the next week or in the next month, um, if, uh, by, um, if they are solo ages, what would be something you would suggest that I do? Well, I would suggest that all our listeners who are solo agers really sit down and give some thought to where is my, in what kind of shape is my social network and where is this community that I'm going to have in 15 or 20 years when maybe I can't, can't drive at night anymore, or maybe I'm not driving at all. Um, where would I like to live? because there are so, so many options. And I only mentioned two or three of them, but there are loads and loads of options today for how to live, where to live, um, with whom to live. And I do encourage people to make those decisions earlier rather than later. You know, one of the things that often happens to solo agers is that they have a lot of friends who do have children. And guess what happens with those friends when they get into their, usually in their 60s and 70s? A lot of those friends move away to be with their adult children. Because right. if you're listening to me from one of the expensive metropolitan areas, whose kids can afford that anymore? So yes. think, think into the future. Think who's going to be around who do you want to be around? Um, do you want to start over? Do you want to start from scratch? Do you want to start with what you have and build from there? Do you want to ask a couple of close friends to get into a conversation with you about this and and uh, and 
all kind of share ideas. Um, you never know where it can go, but I, I definitely encourage you to take stock and have the conversations. Exactly, exactly. That is what I would suggest too that uh, the audience looks for in the next couple of weeks, start thinking about. I read another article and they said, okay, these are three questions that people need to consider to have a more a happy, a more uh, easier and uh, retirement as uh, as that I think. And let me just say those three questions and might trigger something. So one of the questions is, who will change my light bulbs? Ah, you don't want to get on a chair or on a ladder when you're 80 years old mm-hmm. and change the light bulbs in the ceiling. So just mm-hmm. one thing to think of who's going to do that. How will I get an ice cream cone? And that is about transportation. If you can't drive a car and you fancy to get an ice cream, who's going to get that for you? It's another question how you can, how you need to look, where you're going to live, and is there somebody who could help you with that? And then the last question is, and we talked a lot about it today, is who will I have lunch with? Uh, Do I have friends where I can have lunch with or... Um, is it just one or two neighbors that I know the name of and that is my whole social circle? So these are three questions. They seem really odd and simple, but if you can give an answer for it for when you are 80, 85, 90 years old, I think you're doing really, really good about it. So last question, and I, uh, what I want to ask you and uh, is uh, the name of your book. Can you please mention it again so that uh, our listeners can find it um, uh, either by in, in one of the bookstores, and I'm sure Amazon will have it. So what was the name of your book, Tara? Essential Retirement Planning for Solo Agers. Okay, yes, that is the, the main title of it, and uh, that is fairly easy to remember. So I'm going to say thank you for coming on the show today. I enjoyed our conversation, even it was a very serious topic that we were talking about, but I think it was necessary to open up people's minds about how life will be even if we are now in our late 50s, early 60s. Um, we will hopefully all get at some time to the age of 85 and 90 and older and then uh, have to not hopefully make that decision, but hopefully be prepared by planning it right now. So thank you for being on the show uh, this morning, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. All right. So then I'm going to finish our conversation and our radio show today with giving you your weekly quote for today. And this is a quote that says the following. I believe the second half of one's life is meant to be better than the first half. The first half is finding out how you do it. And the second half is enjoying it. So that's a quote from Francis Lear. 
And she was an American activist. She was a, a writer and a publisher. And I enjoy that because in the first half of your life, you are doing a lots of things, trying to figure things out. And hopefully for everybody, the second half will be much more enjoyable, much more fun, much more relaxed and doing things that you uh, didn't have time for in your first half of uh, your life. So I want to quickly announce next week we will have another guest on the show. Her name is Judy Lager and she will talk with us about staying fit when you retire. So, and that's going to be interesting too in a completely different area of your life when you retire. Might be even be helpful when you not are planning to retire in the next few years. So I thank everybody to be on this show today, wherever you are. I hope you enjoyed our show. And if you have questions, comments, please feel free to email me at Maria at Maria com. Thank you, and I'll talk to you again next week on Wednesday at 6 o'clock Pacific Time. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Women Seeking Blissful Retirement. Your host, Maria Lukasen, will return with another show next Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll help you enjoy better retirement. 